Hello, and welcome to Cultural Conversations with the International Hub. We are committed to helping you navigate global business. Throughout this series, we will have conversations with global business professionals and experts. Hello, my name is Dylan, and today I'm here with uh, Robert Jensen. Robert, will you please tell us a little bit about yourself? Yeah, sure. And you can call me Rob. Uh, so uh, my background, I'm currently living in the Netherlands, but originally from Connecticut. Uh, so born and raised there, uh, but didn't traveled a little bit growing up, uh, but uh, ultimately, you know, went to BYU. I did a served a, a volunteer LDS mission to Argentina. I still use uh, Spanish today. It was a good experience. Uh, went to BYU undergrad, did the accounting program. I had a great time there, you know, did the London study abroad, uh, really good program, solid program. Worked for worked in New York City right afterwards. I wanted to uh, work for one of the big four, but in one of more of their advisory teams. So I was doing valuation, uh, fairness opinion work, and other type of consulting. Uh, after that, though, I, I said, okay, let's let's work for a company, do mergers and acquisitions. So I, I moved over to a company called Lucadia that's uh, known as a value investor. They've done uh, some deals with Berkshire Hathaway, Warren Buffett's company. And I was on uh, one of the people on their merger and acquisitions team. Uh, we invested in a couple companies while I was there, uh, had the chance to see a lot of industries. Uh, I also had the chance to work with management for some of the companies uh, at that time and decided to go back to uh, business school because I wanted to shift more to working for uh, in general management for a company and being more uh, within the day-to-day, -day, not just uh, investing. So I went back, did uh, an MBA at uh, the University of Chicago Booth School of Business, uh, interned at John Deere, fantastic uh, company in the agricultural space, uh, worked on global strategy for compact utility tractors, and you know, got to also travel abroad during that experience. Uh, and then, but ultimately after uh, business school had the opportunity to come here to Whirlpool in its uh, global leadership program. I started at their headquarters, which is in Southwest Michigan in a place called St. Joseph uh, Benson Harbor and uh, worked on some global projects within procurement. So I was traveling to China for some of those. I was working on complexity reduction in a number of our regions, uh, also implemented our global supplier code of conduct program. So a way we can make sure that our suppliers are compliant and doing what they should be doing. Uh, and, and also had the opportunity to lead some large negotiations uh, and you know had a fantastic experience and ultimately had the chance uh, next. And where I am now is to come out to the Netherlands. So I'm working here in Western Europe on what's called our category team. So I manage a team of a few people in some of the Western European markets. And uh, yeah, here, here I am. So that's, that's kind of my background and, and here I am in the Netherlands, so. So it seems that you have a lot of, uh, you had a lot of preparation prior to going out to the Netherlands internationally. Um, you had that global mindset that we're all looking for, but did you do any specific preparation uh, from when you got hired uh, at Whirlpool in the Netherlands? Yeah, I mean, probably the best preparation I had was actually living in Argentina, you know, being abroad. 
uh, just that experience seeing and being immersed in a different culture was very helpful to to now being able to live abroad again even though it's argentina is very different than uh, the netherlands i think the other piece is uh, you know working having worked on a global team within procurement traveling to china uh, working on global teams across different regions you know you get to see that there's a lot of different cultures different approaches uh, and and so really the experience was very important to to have the the background as far as formal um, as far as formal kind of training uh, the company did provide for some uh, some brief training on the different cultural uh, aspects of living in the netherlands so they'd go through how dutch people you know interact what to expect so it was it was helpful but uh, you, you also see that you also learn a lot just uh, uh, getting you know working from day one so it was nice to have some preparation because it mentally prepares you that that things will be different but i but i think it's also important to to recognize that okay all all cultures are different there's no one right way one wrong a wrong way there's just different ways and uh, I, I think you know having the other experiences i had uh, along with some formal preparation helped me uh, have a smooth transition to the netherlands that's fascinating. Um, so tell me about the process of getting hired and then moving to the Netherlands. What was that like for you? Yeah, so I mean, I was already working in Whirlpool. I think, uh, you know, there's a bit of luck, a bit of work. I was at, The last project I had within procurement, I was actually commuting to Italy for a few months. So I was traveling back and forth two weeks at a time. Uh, and, and the food in Italy, by the way, is fantastic. So if you get the chance, definitely go. Uh, and, and actually, Italy is where the European headquarters is, or Whirlpool. Uh, so I think as part of the hiring process, uh, really with, within a lot of these big companies, you need to, to have the right uh, network, talk to the right people, uh, and of course, perform in the current role you're in. So do, uh, you know, if you're, uh, you know, being able to do those things, then the opportunities will will open. Uh, so, so actually, I was given an opportunity to go somewhere else uh, within Europe, and then two weeks later, provided this opportunity, uh, and was fortunate enough to come to the Netherlands, which I say is is one of the best best countries for say someone from the U.S. to come to here in Europe. It's very, uh, it's very modern. Uh, you know, everyone, the level of English here is uh, very high uh, and it's, you know, it, it didn't really take long to transition. Uh, and so, you know, the, the process was from, from when I got the offer, it was about uh, six weeks until when I started. So we came out on a housing trip. Uh, we found, uh, I'm married. We have, we have kids as well. We found, uh, we found a house. We had someone help us. Uh, show us where the school was so we registered for school you know also get our documents in order so there's a bit of logistics you need to prepare for if you're moving abroad uh, but if those things are are taken care of then then it can go quite smooth so all in all it took about six weeks we left on a, a friday on an airplane and then i started monday super tired with the jet lag but uh, made it to work on time and i've been here for for about two years that's fascinating thank you um Culture shock is something that most people talk about experiencing. Um, what has that been like from your experience? And then maybe um, what's the experience been like for your family 
in adjusting to a, a new culture? Yeah, I, I mean, I, th I think um, as an as an expat, you have you have a few decisions. Uh, you know, where you're going to live, what type of community uh, you'll live in. To be honest, I didn't really experience that much of a cultural culture shock uh, coming to the Netherlands. Probably the, if anything, it was uh, when I lived in Argentina. You know, seeing the poverty, um, and actually going back home from Argentina, going and seeing a completely different uh, United States where where I was. In terms of the Netherlands, though, uh, I think I didn't experience a cultural shock one because uh, you know you needed to have an open mind realize that you know your way of doing business uh, isn't necessarily the way they do business here so i think the great thing about uh, the advantage of our human species is that we're adaptable uh we're able to adapt so uh it's very important that that you can do this and realize everyone has different perspectives i've been working in a, a number of different markets and you you definitely see that you know sweden for example they're very collaborative they want to have everyone come to a consensus it takes a bit of time to have alignment um, but once they have alignment, they go uh, full speed ahead. Maybe in, in Italy, it's it's more of um, you know who's who has the right uh, uh, alignment before going into the meeting, who positions themselves before the meeting so that so that a, a good decision can be made. But I also think um, uh, you know another point is that regardless of how business is done uh, in all of these markets, if you can rely on data and you can convince you can convince people of your view uh, regardless uh, of the different way of, of doing business i think people will really respond to that uh, to data and, and to the the work you put in uh, regardless of the borders uh, and the different way of, of doing things so thank you uh, let's talk about communication communication is such a uh, such a big deal and you mentioned the fact that in the netherlands they speak uh, good English, but uh, we still have different styles with how we communicate. Um, have, have there been any miscommunications just based on the different ways that you communicate, even though you're speaking the same language? Uh, yeah, ab absolutely. Uh, so I think, you know, one is, is what I'd say is, uh, Okay, you know, I was I was in I can tell you at least from the uh, from an experience and I had with some some colleagues in a different country. Uh, so in in Netherlands, people are very direct. They'll tell you exactly what they think. If they don't like your idea, they'll say that's a terrible idea. Uh, so you kind of have to have some thick skin. Uh, but if you're going to do this in another country, you have to realize not not every country is like this. So not every country is so direct. Uh, and so we had this, uh, I was in front of the head of one of the functions uh, in front of some colleagues and we were just candidly talking. Uh, and I mentioned one of the issues we were having uh, that we needed to resolve. Uh, and I said, okay, this is this is an issue, let's, let's resolve it. But uh, as opposed to the Netherlands in this culture, you know, they want, they didn't want to be so direct. They wanted to have a lot more pre-alignment and not raise issues directly to the big bosses uh, before uh, before there were some actions in place so they didn't want to you know air any uh, dirty laundry so to say even if it was a small thing uh, so I, so I think you know there's if like let's say uh, in the other culture where it wasn't so direct uh, I've had to you know adapt my style and more 
you know, adjust how I approach going to meetings uh, and getting things done and having having the right alignment or else it could it could come across that people think you're not a team player, whereas, you know, you're really uh, all in the same boat. You're trying to go for the same objective, uh, which is, you know, to obviously meet the meet the mission of the company. Uh, and, and the important thing, I think, is to always communicate, uh, communicate within the teams you have, make sure within a large organization, especially, which is very matrixed, that all of the different functions, organizations can be uh, on board with the idea before uh, you go ahead. That's fascinating. Thank you. Um, in management, you, uh, you have the opportunity to provide uh, the people reporting to you with assignments. Uh, in the lens, do they prefer to understand the what? Uh, in terms of like what the outcome would be, or do they want to know the why? Yeah, so in the Netherlands, and I found this regardless of the the different cultures, uh, people seem to always want to understand why they're doing something. I, I think in the different markets I've worked on, including the Netherlands, if they don't understand the why, there's really not as much motivation to get things done. So let's say, for example, uh, you know, we had this we had this project where we wanted to have a new way to look at distribution to how we're going to build our distribution for a new product launch that was coming. So we said instead of uh, if in some markets, if we took the approach of um, let's just do it this way, like the what they wouldn't be so motivated. But once you really explain the why and you sell the idea and you do have to do a bit of internal selling, you know, this this motivates uh, people to to understand the importance and how it will be used. Uh, you know, I also think in in large companies, it's important that that we put the customer first and really focused on on selling and supporting our customers. So everything should kind of go back towards uh, that goal. And if people don't understand the big picture why and how what they're doing fits into that, then uh, it's it's not not as motivating. So really, uh, regardless of the culture that I've experienced, you, you always want to explain uh, the why we're doing it. And it also gives people the chance to be more creative. If they understand why, maybe they have a different perspective uh, and are able to contribute uh, a different way of viewing the problem uh, and come to a much better result that way. Thank you. That's really insightful. Uh, let's shift gears to uh, kind of some behavioral stuff. Uh, in the Netherlands, what do they focus on first when it comes to uh, a new project? Do they focus on getting to know people or uh, just completing the task first? Yeah, uh, it's, you know, it's uh, it, it depends. So I, I think uh, I'm... The, the Netherlands office is not our European headquarters, so people know each other well. It, you know, I, I think I came in here as an American. I was the first uh, American uh, expat uh, in the Netherlands office. So, you know, my thought going into it was probably people view me as this strange outsider. I need to, to build the trust uh, of the team. So instead of just going in uh, and making changes saying, no, we need to adjust our range. We need to adjust our pricing. Uh, we need to do these promotions. Really having a plan for the 30, 60, 90 days, uh, focusing on on listening 
uh, on understanding and also having some uh, some quick wins. So finding some opportunities where I could add value to them, you know, support our sales team, uh, support our internal teams to show them uh, that, that I was a team player. So I think, yes, you need to get to know people, you know, eat lunch with them. Uh, uh, you know, it doesn't mean you need to hang out with them outside of work. Uh, but uh, I, I think, yes, you need to get to know them, but also you get to know them by uh, accomplishing things. So if you show your work effort, uh, they will see uh, directly that you're you're there to help them and support them. And if you're, you're enabling uh, the other people around you, they're more willing to open up uh, and work with you regardless of the different cultures. Thank you, that's great advice. Um... What does it mean to be on time in the Netherlands? Well, it it's you know the Netherlands. There's a few different areas. There's the Randstad, which is like Rotterdam and Amsterdam. Actually, our offices are more towards the south in a place called Breda near Belgium. And it's it's depends on the region. In general, you'd hear that people in like Amsterdam and Rotterdam they're very much on time. If you're a minute or two minutes late. You might as well, you know, not show up. It's very disrespectful. So, you do need to show up on time. <laughs> but, uh, but I think in this area of the Netherlands where I am, it's more of an open office. Uh, instead of needing an appointment to meet with someone, you can walk in. You can stop by someone's desk. Uh, so this way, it's it's a bit more open. So even within a country, say the Netherlands, you can't really generalize. Uh, to say that the culture is all the same because uh, it's, it really depends what part of the country you're in and the, and the people you're working with. Thank you. Um, let's shift to, uh, to management. Um, around the world, employees have a really interesting way of communicating with uh, their leaders or managers. Um, how comfortable are, are the Dutch employees in communicating with you? Well, I think obviously people prefer speaking in their native language. Uh, I I still don't know Dutch, I, but I I believe it's important if you're going to another country to give a bit of an effort and also, you know, when in Rome, do as the Romans do, kind of observe how people interact. Uh, and so in terms of uh, people getting comfortable to interact, uh, it's important to you know learn some basic words and phrases, uh, learn how to have a basic conversation, uh, and also, I'll also you know spend time with them. So, uh, if if we have a hundred people here at my company at Whirlpool in the Netherlands, uh, I'll spend some time. I'll go out with sales for a day, and I'll switch you know who I go out with. So I think even if people say don't have uh, aren't so comfortable speaking in English then you know just having the the connection the relationship they're able to try they see that i'm i'm trying to learn dutch uh, and they're they're much more confident that um they're able to to approach i, I think you know also it's important to, to look at the different you know customs um to, to see to show that you know you're fitting in if you think of like birthdays here birthdays are very big in the us uh, i don't i didn't hardly know any of the birthdays of my colleagues but in the Netherlands, they have announcements uh, whenever and it's anyone's birthday. Uh, they bring around a little cart with some apple flop or some uh, some treats and give it to people. Uh, so, you know, I think if you're 
if you're kind of uh, on my birthday, I did this uh, as well here in the office. And, and I think people respected that, you know, I was trying to, to fit in and, and follow some of the local uh, cultural uh, ways they, they do things here. Thank you. Um, at what level are decisions made? Um, and also, how much in input do employees actually want to contribute when making decisions? You mentioned that in Sweden, ev everyone is consulted when making a decision, but how does that work in the Netherlands? Yeah, I'd say Netherlands is a bit like Sweden. I think you have to look at it uh, on two, ac two axes. So one of the axes is kind of how much consensus needs to be built versus not so much consensus and how much hierarchy is there versus how egalitarian uh, is the work environment. So, you know, in the in Dutch, also in, in Sweden, for example, uh, there's a lot of alignment meetings that go on beforehand. It could seem like as a company, we're very slow to move. But I'd say once the decision is taken, then we're very fast. Uh, and we we try to get everyone together, have the right routines. So once we've made that decision, uh, and after we have that alignment, we're able to move quite quickly. I'd say, you know, but for sure we're we're dealing with other uh, cultures as well. So you know we work with our headquarters, we work with other people in the company. Uh, it's important to to realize that there there's that there's differences uh, in in different markets, and that you know if there is a if there is a top down decision say taken by someone higher up in the company, uh, we need to do our best to understand why and and how to manage it locally so we can adapt uh, you know adapt the decisions or direction to our own local needs. Thank you. Let's talk a little bit more on a. Uh... Do they like hierarchy in the Netherlands um, or do they like more like flat organizational structures? Yeah, I, it's an interesting question. I haven't given it too much thought. I, I think it's more, much more flat, I would say. You know, we're all uh, part of a team. Uh, you know, ultimately we come to an understanding uh, with each other and and yeah and, and make a decision so I'm, I'm trying to think of of an example but uh for sure it's it's a bit more flat say than than in the u.s i think in the in the u.s you know we preach more of you know make a make a quick decision uh you know d don't waste time uh but but i think here uh, instead of having one, one person make a decision uh it's really more more equal, I would say. Mm -hmm. Thank you. Um, you mentioned the fact that you're the only American expatriate there. Um, what is that like? Yeah, I'd, I'd say you know first off, um, U.S. people from America could probably come off pretty stiff. Uh, so it's important to be conscious of this. Like here, people are greeting each other, giving giving each other kisses on the cheek. Uh, and in the U.S., you know, we're just giving handshakes. So I think, uh, okay, I've, I've had to adapt even how I, how I uh, meet, meet with people. Uh, you know, as an American expat, I'm, uh, I'm able to share my experiences in the U.S. I, I think people find this interesting uh, and there's a lot of commonalities. 
And I think also in the community, uh, in the community I live in, actually, it's, it's super interesting because our kids go to an American school and there's a lot of diversity and people from all different areas within the world, within that uh, community. So you could be talking with people who were in Singapore last week or, uh, you know, who are going to Africa the following week for work. So it's a, it's a fascinating place to, to be uh, involved in and you get a whole... I guess, uh, you know, as an American, you you get to share you get to share your experiences from the U.S. and then you hear uh, a lot of experiences from other people. So it's it's really, really fascinating. Thank you. Um, how do you define success? Success. It, it really depends what kind of context uh, we're discussing. If, if you think of like uh, Tony Shea, the CEO of Zappos, uh, he'd, he'd ask you in his book, kind of, you know, why are we doing what you're doing? And he'd keep asking you why. And I think the reason uh, we all do what we're doing is because we want to find happiness uh, in life. We want to find happiness. So I think uh, success is, you know, being able to, you know, meet those goals or, or things you have to help you have more more happiness, whatever that means for you personally. So, uh, you know, I, I think for me, there's success at home, there's success at work. Uh, with success at work, uh, it's about you know achieving achieving our goals, and being you know part of a part of a winning team. And I think, you know, as um, we, we have to find, it's not always where you're going to be. You're not always going to be meeting every one of your goals. Uh, but you also have to recognize the successes when you have them and celebrate those uh, and realize, you know, not everything's going to be perfect, but continuously, continuously improve uh, and be self-aware of uh, kind of uh, what you need to to close those gaps or to improve, to to work towards uh, those goals. And I think that that's more for work. I think, you know, for home, it's, it's also about finding a good work-life balance. Uh, and you know, taking time to you know whether it's uh, you know spending time with your family, working out. Uh, if you're you know in Europe, of course, for any anyone living abroad, I'd highly recommend you know take as many weekends as you can to see uh, what's around you. You know, it's a great time of year here in the Netherlands. There's flowers blooming, and you know I've probably been to the flower fields uh, four times this week at night, uh, even after work. So you know, enjoy what you have you only live one life so uh, you know really really take advantage of, of what's around you whether you're living abroad or or not it's uh, uh you always have things uh you can do and and so i think you know uh, in, in summer i'd say you know think about what what will make you happy in the long run and um work work towards that so thank you um that's that's tremendous advice uh I guess I want to know what your perspective is, and then if you can maybe put yourself in a uh, in a Dutch manager's shoes as well. Um, what are the traits that the ideal employee should possess? Yeah, that's uh, that's a good question. I think probably from you're asking from my perspective or from a Dutch person first. Uh, both. So uh, I think. Uh, you know, my, the values I have are very much aligned with, 
Whirlpool's values. And that's that's what I like so much about the company uh, as well. They have very good values. And you know, they're looking for people uh, who can contribute and make a difference and also who do the right thing. So I think the foundation for for any person is that you know there's no right way to do a wrong thing. Uh, was what our CEO uh, always would say. Our prior CEO and the current one, of course, espouses that same belief. So I think ethics, of course, is is fundamental. So if someone's trustworthy, uh, if if you have confidence in that person, so I believe as part of that, you need to have straight talk. Uh, so if if there's an issue, you need to be upfront and communicate well. Uh, you also need to act as as a team. We call it here one whirlpool. So re not work in silos, but work together. And, and always ask yourself, you know, what's the best decision for the company? Maybe not for my group. Maybe it's even a negative for uh, logistics or for marketing, but it will be a positive overall for the company. Uh, so, so always think about the team. I think it's also important to uh, to lead with speed, is what we'd call it. So, uh, you know. If you have a task, stay focused. Make sure there's, uh, make sure it gets done, and also have the right level of follow-up. Uh, follow-up to make sure uh, that the task gets done. I also think you know one other important value is to uh, enable people. So, really empower, and that's the whole essence of leadership, I believe, is to really empower your team. Uh, and this is done by, you know, not just training them, helping them, but giving them feedback so that they're also self-aware. I think when I, I was listening to a podcast the other week and one of the direct reports to Jack Welsh and GE mentioned that one of the greatest uh, things he did was at, that his direct reports always knew where they stood. So even if it wasn't what they wanted to hear, they always knew where they were within the company. And, and I think you know, I would, I would want to find someone who uh, also wants to enable other people uh, on the team who really tries to make things happen, break down barriers uh, and work uh, collaboratively within the company. So I think those are some of the values which are very important to, to Whirlpool, also to me. I think uh, if, if you look culturally as a uh, maybe someone, uh, I don't want to be presumptuous, but OK, maybe if it was a Dutch manager, I think they follow a lot of. Uh, find a lot of the similar similar attributes. Uh, you know, they want someone who's 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 able to have an own it attitude, who's able to take projects from inception through completion. Uh, they want someone who's who's creative uh, and able to find solutions. Uh, they want someone who's a team player, and and they want someone who's going to have uh, a very solid level of straight talk. You know, going back to the level of directness you see here in the Netherlands, uh, you know, they they want people who are okay saying that that's not a good idea and then explaining why, uh, or or disagreeing. So there's they want to have the right level of uh, disagreement because ultimately, you know, as a team, you'll come to an agreement and it'll be a better idea than what one person could make uh, on their own. So I think there's a lot of similarities, maybe some nuances uh, in the culture, uh, but but overall, uh, you know, looking for someone who can work well within the team, works hard, uh, and is able to uh, to get things completed. Just one last, maybe I'll give one last uh, just closing advice. Yeah. For people, if they're you know if they're going to live abroad, I'd say 
you know, one is always be curious, always ask why. Learn about the culture, learn about the language, give it some effort. And that only shows people that you're, you know, you're committed, that you want to be part of the team. Uh, but it's, you know, a great experience. Um, you know, we've learned so much about the Netherlands, about uh, this, this famous project they have, the Delta Works, about uh, the, the history, uh, you know, the, the tulip craze hundreds of years ago where, I don't know, tulips sold for the price of a house. Uh, or even the more recent history from the, you know, from World War II, where there's a lot of a lot of uh, history uh, that's still felt here, uh, and of course the more uh, modern trends. So I think always be curious, be willing to learn, uh, and you know it's important to keep in mind, of course, to respect that there's no one size fits all. So there's different methods, uh, and it's important to observe, to adapt, and you know lastly enjoy it from a if, if you have the chance to to go abroad, enjoy it from a personal perspective. Take advantage of the opportunities ahead of you. And, uh, you know, if, if you don't have the chance to live abroad, go visit. Go take the chance as well because you can uh, experience a lot of those things as well. So uh, that's that's the advice I'd give to, to people. So Excellent. Thank you. Well, that's all for now. For more information about global business and culture, visit www.internationalhub.org and be sure to subscribe to Cultural Conversations with International Hub. Thank you.